Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Living in Fullness podcast. I am excited to have you all today, and I've got an exciting guest lined up just for you. So, in today's segment, we're speaking career growth. Uh, we're speaking, um, you know, work-life balance. We've got a guest who is experienced, who's not only inspiring to me, but inspiring to a lot of people out there. Our guest today is a highly accomplished executive with over 12 years of experience in the insurance industry, currently serving serving as the Director of Strategic Initiatives. They have had pivotal roles, a lot of them, throughout their career. So in today's episode with my guest, I want to learn from his career experiences and just understand how he's managed to navigate, you know, work-life balance. That is if he is doing it. Help me in welcoming Mr. Maunga Quenda. <laughs> Hi, Naki. So when you were speaking, I was almost wondering, who's she talking about? I need to get to know this person. It is you, all the way from Zambia. You flew all the way just for this podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But he made time. Thank you for making time. Thank you as well for inviting me. I mean, you had so many other options of people. So I'm actually quite humbled that you called me here. Oh, no, I didn't have to think twice. <laughs> I knew um, if you ask my husband, I kept telling him that I'm going to have to have Maunga on my podcast when I started this podcast. I just didn't know when. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to start with some icebreakers. Are you ready? I think I am ready. Yeah. Just quick responses. Okay. Okay. So if you could have any superpower for a day, what would it be and why? Wow. Um, well, growing up, even though... I didn't watch much TV. Superman was my hero. So his ability to fly from places <laughs> to places would be good. So if I could, then I'll be able to move quite quickly and be in maybe 10 places at the same time in a very quick thing and maybe achieve so much in a short time. Mm, yeah. Because you're also an overachiever at some, so oh you do goodness. need those superpowers. Probably, probably. <laughs> I think maybe that's why I resonate well with Superman then. Mm, yeah. Okay, your next one. Of salaries, duration of study, workload, if all else was the same in every occupation, which occupation would you have taken up? Well, um, over time, it's interesting. So I started out as an accountant. I haven't done any accounting in the last seven years. And interestingly, the job I enjoyed the most was one where we were actually helping people out with mm -hmm. medical insurance. So being able to see someone who's unwell and then being able to get treated after a month or two based on the recommendation you give helps. So mm. I'd probably be a doctor. Strangely, mm. but I'd probably be a doctor. That's was, interesting. Yeah, you know, during COVID time, yeah. people kept calling and all sorts of clients who you sold the policies to call and ask what to do. And you keep starting by saying, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> and they say, yes, I know, but what should I do? And then you end up saying, okay, if these are the symptoms presenting, make sure you do this. If this continues, go to the hospital. Mm. Or eat this, eat more of this, take less of this, isolate yourself, and giving all the advice. And people were taking it as if I'm really standing <laughs> from a position of authority. But I always have to keep saying I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a yeah. medical doctor. Probably that's what I'll be. That's interesting. Okay. What's the most unusual or exotic place you've ever traveled to? And what made it memorable for you? Most unusual, most exotic place. I think I'd say Barcelona. Um, my wife and I traveled there. We visited uh, my older brother and wife were in France at the time. And mm -hmm. we thought, 
other than just France, there's somewhere closer we can go to. So we went to Barcelona and we went yeah. to a place called Siges in Barcelona. So the train rides were quite exciting because we didn't understand the language. We couldn't speak to anyone. Yeah. But just the thrill of being able to move from place to place and navigate your place, find the hotel, yeah. try to talk to the people, speak to them in English. You can actually see that the people in Catalonia may get a little bit irritated when they when you speak to them in English. Really? But just the ability to move from place to place. And eventually yeah. we found ourselves speaking Spanish and reading, like the basics of Spanish. <laughs> Google helped, but we were yeah. able to speak and communicate. So I, I enjoyed it. It's a nice beach area and mm -hmm. lots of sun the time we went and yeah. lots of tourists were there. Mm. So you just blend into the crowd and it, it, it was fun. That's interesting. I've never been to Barcelona. I probably should put it on the list. You should. You should. Last one. Yeah. If you were to create your own signature dish, what would it be and what ingredients would you include? <laughs> okay. So like I've mentioned, um, I've been out of the country. My wife was in another country. And so I've had to actually do most of the cooking myself. So Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Being someone who predominantly eats chicken and fish, this time I'll probably be a, it would be a fish dish. Um, mm -hmm grilled i would probably season it with some salt less of salt but more of pepper um, lately i like rosemary i like parsley i like so i'll season it with a bit of this and that and then grill it mm. i'm embarrassed to admit that i've had an air fryer for the last two years <laughs> i've never used it oh no I think that's a good and bad thing. <laughs> no, like, I, I'm very fascinated by it. I mean, when I'm home, my mm -hmm. wife uses the air fryer, and within 10 minutes, the food is cooked. Yeah, Very ready. little oil, and everything is done. Mm -hmm. I have my own. It's still in the box, and I'm just waiting for the right moment to get to use it. <laughs> so I'm still one of those who still wants to grill it over charcoal, over a braai, and still get it done. Wrap it in foil and cook it like that. Do you think it tastes better than the air fryer? No, the air fryer actually gets quite testy and it's probably healthier because yeah, we're using like less oil. Mm -hmm. But I think being an, a Zambian man who <laughs> likes to fry his food, I still like the, the thrill of charcoal cooking it and maybe during the 30 minutes that it's cooking, I can do something else. Um, <laughs> work, probably. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> maybe read a book or catch up on a podcast or, or something else. Work, work unrelated. Nice. Okay. So... Obviously, when I was reading your bio, it's not all of it, right? Um, I obviously excluded a lot of things. So can you just take us through your career journey, the highlights, of course, and like just what you've learned? Okay, so interesting. Um, growing up, mm -hmm. I know you, you're talking about the career, but let me put it like this. Mm -hmm. My parents were quite interesting. So they came from farming backgrounds. Yeah. Their par parents were in the village, mostly farming. So... Mm -hmm. Each time we had holidays, the only holiday we got to enjoy was the one in September. Because December meant you're going to plant maize. Ooh. And it didn't matter how old we were or what we were doing, you all stop and go to the farm. So mm -hmm. dad would move us from one location, drop us off at the farm, which is almost some um, 20 k's away from home, mm -hmm. and still make it in time for his work by 8. So you can imagine what sort of time we had to wake up to get ready, get the work done. Mm -hmm. At the time, it maybe felt like fun, but it also felt like punishment. But one good thing is that it taught us some hard work. Nothing comes mm. easily. So April holidays, instead of enjoying the holiday, it was time to harvest. Mm. And it didn't matter. All my young brothers, myself, my older siblings and my cousins, we all had to go and do it. So you pick us up in this pickup, yeah. take us to the farm. When he's done with work, he comes back to inspect what we did. 
if we miss some lines or we didn't do it well, he'll switch on his headlamps until we get the thing done right. That's the only time we go back, knowing that tomorrow we come quickly and do it. So a lot uh, of teamwork was taught at that. So, so when I then finished secondary school and went to college, mm. he had an interesting philosophy where he comes back and says, look, I'm going to pay your school fees and mm. your college fees, but I want mm. you to see how I earn this money. Mm. So come and work with me. So all my accounting skills were put to practice. I had to work. So I work and mm -hmm. I don't get a salary like the other people working there, but I got my school fees paid for. So it wow. sort of helped me get into the groove of working and sort of understanding my debits and credits quite practically. Mm -hmm. When I then get to school, I actually applied all myself at the, the college that I went to because mm -hmm. I knew how dad was raising his money. Mm. having all that but one other thing is that working closely with him taught me quite a lot i would see how he goes to his clients mm -hmm. does his debt collection mm -hmm. negotiates things and works closely with the clients and mm. he would always tell me you put your customers first in what you do always do that so i'll get the practical lessons from him mm. so fast forward when i finished then i worked at an audit firm um deloitte mm -hmm. if i could say the names here and I worked for Deloitte only six months. I actually fell ill, a condition that no one knew what it was. So I then yeah. left. Uh, the Deloitte I worked at was the one in the Copper Belt. So okay. it was mining-related and mining and ancillary services. Those mm. are the mostly the type of clients we had. I was home for almost six months. Mm. I would have pain in my lower back without knowing what is causing that. Mm. At some point, the doctor was very convinced that it was a condition that's just in my head. So you'd say oh, it's an wow. inorganic condition. <laughs> I was excited because I thought they had finally diagnosed it. And then when I checked what inorganic was, I realized, oh. <laughs> now I need to Google that. <laughs> but what was then interesting uh -huh. is that I then started working again with dad. Yeah. And um, he had this one great client that we went to see. Mm. And... Um, he mentioned, we got to the reception and we could mm -hmm. hear him speaking quite loudly and shouting to his people. And he says, mm -hmm. whenever you visit a client, those are like practical lessons. Mm -hmm. If you notice that he's in a bad mood, don't bring up the issue of money. Because the, the answer you get is no and that's it. Mm -hmm. So when we finally got into his office, he greeted us and he said, I've came to introduce my son. We're working together. And from time to time, he's the one who might be handling your account rather than me. And at the time, the client said, okay, but we haven't discussed. He says, no, 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 I just brought mm. my son. The debt and money issue, we can talk about it later. Mm. And so what happened then is that as we were leaving, he then asked, What's, how's your son? He seems to have, I think I was over the slouching or he could yeah. see I was in pain. Then he said, there's a good doctor from Russia. Please see him. Here are his details. Now, I'd already seen quite a number of doctors. Yeah. I was not really interested. We thanked him for that and we walked away. Mm -hmm. Two days later, we were in the field again, and then he called dad and said, mm -hmm. I have your money, come. As we got to his place, he quickly ran out. I had never seen mm. that client <laughs> running like that. But he ran out yeah. and calls my dad. My dad's name is Emmanuel. He says, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, that's the Russian doctor, if I may use the way he spoke. Mm. That's the Russian doctor <laughs> I told you about. Uh, follow him. Whatever the bill, I'll pay. Oh. And now I'm thinking, oh, wow. Now I'm compelled to go see this doctor. Mm. And I'm thinking, look, why, why? I've seen too many. I'm not interested. But yeah. thank goodness, sir. that doctor asked me what tests I had done, what mm -hmm. was wrong, and he suspected there was something else. Mm. And luckily, he actually found what it was. Mm. When I asked him, he says it's a condition he used to have as a child back in Russia. Ooh. Whenever it was cold, he would get into that. And indeed, a week or two later, I was treated. 
Fast forward, I then joined another firm, uh, KPMG. Mm-hmm. And from KPMG, I got myself into what I think I love now, financial services. Yeah. So I was more of insurance and banking. And from then on, I think I've worked for three other insurance companies. And moving from finance to business development to strategy, where I am now. Your career journey is incredible. Like, I look at it and I'm like, okay, how does an auditor... Because I'm not going to lie. <laughs> For me, when I got into insurance, yeah. it was confusing. The jargon to how they do things, to understanding every process. And I was like, how do people understand insurance so easily? Now I've gotten to love insurance. Oh, now I've gotten to, to love it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> Don't judge my jargon. No, 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 but no. now what I want to understand is how did you grow your love for insurance? Like, what, at what point did you realize that you actually enjoyed, you loved, you understand it as well? Because it's one thing to love insurance and it's one thing to understand it. <laughs> so. so it's interesting. Maybe mm-hmm. to start with, my dad has been in insurance mm. almost all his life. That's what he's done. Yeah. So you'd get home and he's telling stories about things that happened and yeah. other cases where he says, this good client of mine, it's an example I can't forget. This mm-hmm. might have been about 1992 or 93. Mm-hmm. This client kept coming home trying to claim that his goods were stolen and that something had happened and thieves yeah. broke into his house or into his warehouse and stole things from there. Yeah. So dad kept being nice and being diplomatic and saying, no, it's being investigated, things are happening and the mm-hmm. like. Then after a week or two, much as he didn't like talking about work, we asked him, we said, that man kept coming home. What was mm. the issue? So dad says, no, we had investigated. But interestingly, he says it was a break-in. And usually if people break in, they mm-hmm. break your window from outside and the glass falls in. But yeah. in his case, the glass was on the outside. So it probably was more suspicious in that mm. that was not true. It was fictitious. And being someone who's upright, I'm not going to pay that claim. Mm. those were his words and we learned from there and said mm-hmm. okay so it's all about being truthful it's all about this but it's about being able to meet people at their points of need if mm. at all there is really something that's happened people should be compensated i'm mm. trying my best not to use the insurance jargon but yeah. basically <laughs> learning from him and seeing that mm-hmm. you know i did my best to do away with insurance i actually was happy to become an accountant, yeah. work in an audit firm, work elsewhere. But I found myself more and more being put on insurance engagements and mm. most of my clients were insurance related. And when I finally left, I actually joined a bank. I was very excited thinking yeah. this will be my career. <laughs> this is what I'll do. Mm-hmm. Less than a year later, I realized, no, I'm not having joy at this. Mm. And it's like things worked out so well because at the moment when I was thinking I need to leave, I got a call from one of the clients I used to have, an mm. insurance client, and they said, we have a vacancy for a finance manager. Would you be interested? Immediately I said yes. We had the interviews. And within a week or two, I got the offer. And leaving the bank was a bit tough because mm-hmm. they did the best. I mean, moving me from an insur- from an audit background, teaching me to become an accountant, giving me a lot of responsibility. I was quite excited to be mm-hmm. part of that. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with the place, but I think I wasn't finding the fulfillment that I was finding. So jumping to the insurance company, that really felt really good. Mm. 
it's like I was almost finding my, I would call it my purpose. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I love that, which is why this podcast is all about, right? Like we're looking at living a fulfilled life and it's yeah. not just you increasing in your finances and all, because sometimes people take certain careers just because they've got money, but it's also doing what has purpose to you, what brings fulfillment to you and you're holistically growing as well. That's actually what's good. Being able to find one's fulfillment actually mm. helps you get up and do the work. So in the role I had before the one I had, mm. uh, someone reached out to me on LinkedIn and was saying, he's been called for interviews. Mm -hmm. What do I think of the place? Why did you leave? So I said, actually, mm -hmm. I didn't really leave per se. I'm still part of it. I'm still yeah. within the same group. Mm -hmm. But I've been given a bigger role with bigger responsibilities. However, mm -hmm. my statements to him was, it's the only place where I've looked forward to going to work every day. Mm. In all the years that I've had, yeah. being able to change people's lives, being able to offer solutions that make sense and being able to meet clients even as we are selling. Mm. The objective is not just to sell. The question is, these are the, what we have. What are your needs? Do we mm. have a solution that matches your needs? If we don't, let's be straight up and say, we can't meet this need. Mm. Try elsewhere. But if we do, then we, we make it. If we can't, mm -hmm. let's craft a solution that works for you and let's both sit at the table and make sure it works within your budget. I love that. But what would you say have been like the key milestones and turning points for you in your career? Okay. The first one, like I said, was I think me falling ill and being able to leave uh, the mining and ancillary services. Yeah. At the time, it felt like I've left home, I'm living in another town, yeah. life is sort of making sense, I'm mm. getting there. But then at that moment, I had to leave and... Going back home and getting an allowance from my mom again when she says, get yourself some airtime. <laughs> yeah. Go and see your friends. Here's some money for this. And yeah. I was sort of closed up and wondering, why is this happening to me? Mm. What's this happening? But then when I look back, I spent about three months at home, but eventually I started working with that. Being able to work with him, he actually taught me quite a lot of things that I've been able to use even in the career. Mm. Whenever we go debt collecting, I'm actually one of the people who gets the money with the client feeling happy about it because there's no need to rough up anyone. It's mm -hmm. a situation of, mm -hmm. look, there's some money due to us. Can we get it? How is this looking? And mm -hmm. I still remember my dad saying, when you walk in, if you realize the person's in a bad mood, just greet them and say it was a courtesy call. Yeah. On their own, they'll remember and they'll call. And I've seen that happen a number of times. Other mm -hmm. lessons that I also learned from him were work as hard as you can, do what you must do, but also take time to rest and unwind. He actually maybe doesn't unwind as much, but he actually encourages to do that. Mm -hmm. And also being able to have a neat community, like yeah. very good friends that you can rely on and mm -hmm. get advice from. That yeah. helps. Mm-hmm. That's among the many other things that I've gone through. That has really been quite helpful. I had also at one of the other insurance companies I joined mm -hmm. as a CFO, a boss who really believed in me. Um, her name was Florence Kajanji. She mm. passed away a few years back, but she actually called me and said, look, you're joining as a finance person here. You also have to be able to sell. If you can't sell, this business will not grow. You mm. remain in the corner as a bin counter and the business will not grow. Mm. So first time she says, we're going for a presentation. I want you to observe. The next presentation, I'll throw anything at you and it's you to speak. You mm. have to master, learn and understand and I don't want you to read what's on the script. Luckily, I'd already done some training on presentations. So mm. reading what's on the screen is not an issue. I must make this my own. Mm. So her style would be herself, myself in finance, 
you should get someone from the commercial space to stand there and the chief operations officer so we go there as a united front and from time to time she say maunga would you like to take us through this and obviously you say sure Mm. the slide rolls and you're speaking out from there and then you walk away from there realizing that okay so as an accountant i can actually be on the commercial end i can mm. actually help the business grow my role is not just to count beans in the corner yeah. but the idea is to be adding value to the business and make it grow at mm. some point she fell ill she asked that i should act in her stead mm-hmm. and she still offered the guidance and the support even from a distance but that belief in me helped me realize that there is more to the role than just being able to sit in the corner have meetings with auditors balance numbers and stuff like that so mm. getting involved in the business getting involved in the action and i think that helped me propel from that role that i had in finance to a business development role to mm. a strategy role that was really quite helpful I love that. And you know, in everything you're mentioning, I see that you learned a lot from your dad and it's quite incredible and it speaks into what I say um like every man needs a father to shape them, That's you know, true. somehow. And I love how much he's shaped you, your career journey as well as your siblings. So, what would you say um you are doing as a father to raise your children into that as well? Right. It's hard to feel the kind of big shoes that my dad had. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that growing up you tend to think that maybe he's too busy, he's not yeah. available, but it's only with time and you realize that I've he's actually shaped me a lot. Mm. I'm following a career path like his. Yeah. Even though I never saw it happening. I never saw myself in the insurance sector, but here mm. I am. And with time you realize all these life lessons that he keeps passing on. Mm. Others are just statements or stories he'll tell here and there. There's a point in time when you know dad would fly out of the country so many times you mm-hmm. only realize he had come home when you come back at lunch time mm-hmm. and then he's put some clothes or things he's bought for you on your bed then you oh. realize oh <laughs> he's back but then before you know it he's, he's flown gone. out again and then yeah. you think okay from a distance i only realized how you know you all grow up thinking this guy is superhuman he's maybe <laughs> too busy and stuff like that yeah when his uncle passed away that mm. uncle was like a father figure to him mm. so we went to the funeral as about 10 11 years old mm-hmm. first time i saw my dad cry then i realized oh, oh he's actually human <laughs> oh he's also approachable yeah because he called us closer while mm-hmm. we were at the funeral and he held on to us and he shed a tear and you realize okay he's actually human he's actually approachable i can talk mm. to him about my problems i can do that do that mm-hmm. he was always open but there's always this thing you think about dad being superhuman or maybe yeah. superman like the hero that i have <laughs> yeah. and learning from him there are quite a lot of lessons that we try to inculcate and do that to my the children and mm-hmm. my nephews my nieces my brother's kids yeah. we are always talking to them and trying to realize because from them he never had this thing his brothers were our dads mm. you don't call them anything else even up to now So if you get my phone it's like I have dad and a name dad and a name <laughs> only his probably is the one that just says dad dad yeah. yeah so all those values of growing up in a community being able to work hard it's all the things that we're trying to inculcate to the children that are coming up so that they can also grow up almost the way we grew up mm, that's But incredible filling up his shoes is not easy is it hard do you ever find yourself comparing yourself to him at some point you know where um, when i do get into a a tough situation and I ask what yeah. did my dad do do I call him 
But before I call him, let mm-hmm. me try this, try that. And then at some point, yes, get the phone, call him and say, I have this situation, what do you think I should do? Mm. And most times you get him almost thinking and saying what I thought I should do. And he's mm. okay, thanks. And then I go ahead and do it. Sure. So, you know, um, of course, I stalk people before they come on this podcast. Oh, so. <laughs> So there's an interview um, that you had. I'm not sure which company, but it was in Zambia. And you were speaking about how sometimes people don't actually know the benefits that are attached to the insurance policies that they have, right? And it's something that I have noticed as well. I have a client um, where I was working on educational claims. And then you contact the beneficiary and they're actually not even aware that they had an (laughs) an educational benefit, you know. So how can you raise awareness and make sure that people do get to a point where they understand the benefits and the the beneficiaries also get to understand what benefits are there for them? Okay, thanks. One interesting thing about insurance is that it's something where... Before, you had a class of people who were selling insurance and you buy out of pity for them. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea now is appreciate where this person is in their life, mm-hmm. uh, in their journey of life, mm-hmm. at which stage are they, what are their needs. Mm. So you craft solutions that make sense to them. And when you do, explain exactly to them what's involved, what's in it, and mm. what it's all about. What that does as well is that if I'm a customer... I'll not just get a solution if it doesn't make sense to me. But remember what we said, we're no longer calling them policies or products. It's actually solutions. So Mm. where am I in my life? What are my needs? And then it Mm. should be a solution that bridges and makes sense to what I need. Mm. So as long as we keep crafting and selling solutions, then it's easier. Mm. One of the days where you have the fine print and really make people sign and then they haven't read through, I think... It's, it's not about hiding. It's about mm. offering solutions which people can then really value and mm. it should make sense. So it's not about a sell at all costs. Mm. It's a situation of does the person really need it? Mm-hmm. If they don't, we'll say no. So I remember many times when I would sell and you'd have clients say, what's the highest option plan you have? Yeah. And I'll mention, so for the health insurance option plan, the highest plan is this one. Mm-hmm. But going by the needs you've mentioned, mm-hmm. even the one below, the other one would still work out for you. I mean, I'll get a badge of honor if I sell the topmost one. Yeah. But the reality is that you don't need it. Mm. Based on our discussions and our evaluation and the sort of lifestyle you have, this should work for you. Mm. And then you get that respect from your clients because he wanted to buy the topmost, but I've told yeah. him to get two notches down because he doesn't really need it. He doesn't mm. fly out mostly, so he doesn't need to have that cover that will cover him in America and South America mm. when perhaps he flies within Africa. So another solution exactly. will make more sense. So you tap it down and make sure that it's really within their needs, mm. and then you get the respect because you are making sure it's within the budget that the client has. It's mm. Let it meet the needs that the person has. So no fine print, no hidden things. Let yeah. the person be fully aware what it covers and what it doesn't cover. And never miss sell. I think that's the philosophy that should be there. Don't miss sell. The same way that I would feel cheated if I go mm. to a shop. And unfortunately, because of being a salesperson, when I get to shops, whenever a shop assistant comes to me and wants to <laughs> tell me things about what this product will do yeah. and how it's the best thing since sliced bread, I say, mm. hey, take, take, take a step back. Let me think. Let me mm. see. Because you can tell that this motive is just to make a sell at all costs. Mm. but this might actually not look good on me but he says this will look good on you it's good with your complexion this is you know, <laughs> my friend you are now mis-selling let yeah. me walk through let me get what I need but if it doesn't meet my mm. needs let me come back next time you might have a solution for me 
Mm, and I totally agree. I think sometimes we do sell to clients things that we will benefit us and will help us to make profit, more income. And that's what we're thinking about revenues and yeah. all. And we're not really looking at what is it that the client actually needs. So what would you say are some of the things that have helped you to secure clients? Uh, I think being honest, mm-hmm. that's the key thing. And most times when you ask a client what their budget is, they think you want to max the budget. But the idea is if this is your budget, mm-hmm. let me find you a solution that's within your budget. Mm. And then I can offer one or two other solutions that might go slightly above budget, but it meets your needs. Mm-hmm. And being able to be there for your clients, like I'd said, because we are the ones who sought the solution, during COVID, you get calls from people that you sold to asking mm. you, and saying, our members of staff have this and this condition. What do you advise? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the first statement is the disclaimer of, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not yeah. the right one to give you the advice. However, mm-hmm. A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. Do this, do that, do that. So I think one, f- I would say the most important thing is be honest. Mm-hmm. Find out what your client really needs. Mm-hmm. Do you have a solution or not? If you don't, they will actually take it better. And you say, unfortunately for what you want, I can't have this solution for you. Perhaps my competitor X might have something or this. Or if you give me a month or two, we can look at designing a solution for you. And Mm. once you make a promise, fulfill it. So, and of course, that's what has gotten you to the top. You seem like a good salesperson. <laughs> so but I'm now, an accountant at heart. <laughs> exactly. That's what I don't understand. Okay, well, I studied accounting, yes. but I actually never wanted to practice as an accountant at any point. I did it because my parents are <laughs> accountants. I'm on air, so I'm not going to say why I did it, but I agree with you that <laughs> numbers can be boring sometimes, but yeah. then the numbers are important because they help inform Mm. things happening so i don't just want to be the person that counts the numbers before but i want to be the person that makes the numbers happen exactly i think for me i thought i didn't understand what accounting is when i started i just thought accounting is i mean because i didn't do it in high school and my parents were like the inspiration for it then i got into it and i was like there's actually accounting there's management accounting there's tax there's there's a lot of things in accounting and i'm like i love auditing I love strategy. I love accounting advisory, yeah. not the bookkeeping side of it. So yeah. that, mm-mm. <laughs> well, it's interesting. When I met you a few years back, you seemed to really love what you were doing. And I thought you, this is a good accountant here. I love, <laughs> I, so let me say this. I love whatever job I'm in. That's, That's right. one thing that I do. So even if I'm not interested in insurance, like right. I'm saying, initially I wasn't interested in insurance, but I make sure I educate myself right. and I excel at whatever role I'm in. Yes. So that's why when people ask about my CV and I'm like, when I say I can adapt and yeah. I, I, I'm a quick learner, I actually mean it. I, that's true. I'm able to adapt in whatever environment that I'm in. And, and um, those skills so. you've mentioned are actually things that I've always thought about, being mm. able to adapt to whatever situation you're in mm-hmm. and being able to make the most of whatever you're in. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So... Okay, so now I see that you've got an incredible career journey. Now, this is what I need to understand. What do you do to rest? Well, okay. Um, Like I said, as I cook, (laughs) (laughs) I'll play some music, uh, something soft, Mm -hmm. possibly jazz, or something closer to it. Mm -hmm. And as I'm doing that, perhaps after I'm done cooking, uh, we'll watch a series. Something that's fun, mm-hmm. not too violent, but with mm-hmm. a storyline that keeps me captivated. I do my best to not do more than 40 minutes. Mm. Other times I'll not. 
but then I'll also look for a good book that I can read. Most mm-hmm. recently, I'm a bit ashamed to admit that it's taken me this long. I've found myself watching rugby over the weekend and I actually enjoyed it. Oh, okay. So perhaps that's probably one of the new things I'm going to add to <laughs> <laughs> my things to do. Yeah. But as much as possible, I try to... I'm not that... I don't run much, but I'll, I'll take walks. Mm-hmm. So as I take my walks, I think about how my day was, what I'm planning to do tomorrow, mm-hmm. and how I'm going to do it, and where I need help, mm-hmm. and do that. From time to time, I will chat and call the friends I have. It's only now that I realize that I don't have as many friends as I thought I really have, but I do have this community of friends, and they are quite close. Mm. The other community of friends I have are my four brothers. So, Yes, so you kind of like four <laughs> of you. Which, which other friends do you uh, need? <laughs> so five of us. So four plus me. So like my four brothers. Yeah. It's like once you have them. I mean, growing up, you'd fight and all, but now that we are older... Yeah. It's like this is a guys these are guys I actually trust. These mm. guys have my back. I have their backs. Yeah. And it's easy to to talk to them as well. Mm. Oh, that's nice. I think I've, I also find that like because we are four girls as right. well and I'm like okay, I don't now that we've grown, I don't I mean I try my best to make other connections and get to know more people as well, but I just think we get to know each other more and we've grown into understanding that this is the friendship that I actually need, right? So um how often do you rest? How do you know when you've burnt out? Okay. So being in a role like the one I'm in right now, even the ones before, mm-hmm. mostly it's an issue of what are my objectives for the day, what are the tasks I need to do, mm-hmm. what is it that I need to do without dropping the ball as I pass it on. Mm-hmm. So you're working in teams and you have to do your part. Mm-hmm. So the issue is, let me work on this deliverable, and the moment I'm done, mm-hmm. then there's time to rest. There are other times when it can be stressful, mm-hmm. but you look at it and say, I can't drop the ball, I mm-hmm. can't let down the team, I mm-hmm. need to pass it on. But the key thing is being able to ask for help when you need it. Mm. There are times when you want to continue, but there's a faster way. Mm-hmm. So as much as I can, I like to know what my teammates are good at. And if it's time for that part, I mm. do ask for help. It's actually not... Growing up, I used to think it's a sign of weakness to ask for help when I'm stuck. Yeah. Yeah. But then you realize it's actually a superpower, probably something that <laughs> even though Superman doesn't really ask for help much, but... <laughs> you should be able to ask for help. And then when someone can actually show you a faster way of doing something, Mm -hmm. it actually helps you because you can then pass it on and it's still part of the teamwork. You Mm -hmm. don't carry the burden on your own, pass it on. Mm -hmm. And speak to your superior, speak to your colleagues, speak to your peers about the situation. Someone might have a solution that makes it faster. Mm -hmm. So my work has to do with a lot of research and a lot of reading and finding out the latest. I have a teammate who's actually, her strength is research. Oh, nice. So I don't hold back. I actually will ask, do you have this report? Have you done yeah. this before? Do you have these stats on this? Yeah. Point me to a direction where I can get it. So rather than me reading five, six journals or articles about what mm. I need, I know she'll help point me to the right one that needs me to do what I need to do. Mm. And that sort of helps me balance and find a way of doing something faster. Mm. So when I worked at one of the insurance companies, I had a friend, a workmate, mm-hmm who reported into me, but he would always tell me, when you need to find a way to do something, ask the laziest person on your team. Oh, yes. I actually wrote an article about that the other day. <laughs> yeah. So when you then reach out and ask the laziest guy and say, how do you do this? And then you get the faster way to get it done. True. There are times when 
some things can be pushed forward to be done later. Mm-hmm. You can do what you humanly can and then take your rest. It's always important because once you burn out, you lose interest in what you're doing. Mm. It affects the people around you. It affects you especially and it affects the outlook that people have on you. Mm. So it's very good to be able to notice and say I think let me take a rest now and then one should really rest and recharge. Do something very different from what you always do. Mm-hmm. Take a run, cycle, those that love to go to the gym do go to the gym. Um, I'm one who likes it's... to take a walk. <laughs> I do go to the gym. Yeah. I think uh, um, at least uh, yeah. once in a while. Uh, yeah, <laughs> once in a while. I didn't want to be precise in terms of how frequent. Yeah. But I think I've realized yeah. that exercise is actually good. It helps yeah. shape you mentally, and it helps you have the physique to be able to face the stress and face whatever comes your way. Mm. And without making it all seem <laughs> negative, it's not always about stress, but it just helps you have a good outlook and a positive outlook and you're mm. realizing that if I could lift those weights or if I could run on that treadmill for that long and I could do this and that, the issue of endurance then comes in. You mm. build the muscle, you build the endurance and even the mental muscle and the endurance that you need to be able to tackle the challenges as they come. Mm, that's true. You mentioned three things to me that are very like that are very paramount in my career as well. Like being a leader includes being able to delegate, you know, being able to identify your team's strengths, weaknesses, um, and also just knowing that you delegating means you don't know what you're doing. It means you are finding more efficient and effective ways of um, coming up with your deliverable, right? And also just what you just said now about... um, Finding the laziest person in the team. <laughs> I find, because I'm, I'm very hardworking, right. but I'm always looking for quick ways to do yes. things. Yes. <laughs> right? I'm always looking for the most efficient way. That's why I love automation. I love digitalization because I'm looking at an Excel workbook. I'm like, surely we can automate this. <laughs> surely we cannot continue working like this. And I'd rather spend 24 hours automating a process right which will in the future just take me extracting the report, yes. you know. Yes. So I really love that. Um, so the way yeah. you described yourself, I do ask myself when I think this is what I like, am I sometimes the laziest guy in the room? <laughs> 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 but the idea, like yeah. you said, is how efficient can we be? How can we turn processes to work faster? Yeah. Because we don't have to spend the whole day at one task if it can be done faster. Exactly, exactly. Who are the people that you look up to? Wow. Apart um, from your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. Growing up, you know, we, no wonder I mentioned that my brothers are my friends. Yeah. Mom was also very instrumental in our growing up. Um, mm. My mother was a teacher. So what mm. that meant is that when you're on holiday, she's on holiday. So you don't have this luxury of running around and playing with the neighbors and playing all day. Yeah. So grade one, grade two, I remember my older brother and I, though he's two years older than me, she would mm. sit us down on a mat. Mm. And make us start spelling words. Ah. I remember at some point not knowing how many NAs banana has. I think mine (laughs) ran on for a while. It was banana, (laughs) nanana. And it's a a running joke would have where she laughs and and we laugh about it. But for her, it was about being disciplined, being able to play as brothers. And Mm. while we are playing as well, rest, bath. And she was the disciplinarian in the home. So Mm. I think... Most of the values that we might have, my dad is on one end, my mom is on the other end. Mm. Her hard work, her perseverance, and it's like for her, you're on holiday, but you have a session when you must sit, you must read, 
do this, do that, and then when the school would give holiday homework, she'd actually make sure that we she spreads it out over the four weeks of holiday, so mm. you don't really find yourself playing as much as much as 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 I should. Mm. There are a few other people that have been quite instrumental in my career. Like I mentioned, Floris mm-hmm. Kajanji. Um, she is someone who taught me health insurance and mm. the need to value a customer, the need to value a client, values around selling, being able to be truthful, mm-hmm. being able to deliver. If mm-hmm. you say yes to a client, make sure it's yes. If you make a promise, mm-hmm. deliver on the promise. If there's a challenge, mm-hmm. make it known before. Mm-hmm. Don't hold back. Be honest. Be truthful. Mm-hmm. Those values she taught really, really helped. Mm-hmm. Others in my audit career, there's Mr. Mtine um, from KPMG. Mm-hmm. I always liked one thing. He would not read the file that you have. He'll give it to you, look you in the eye and ask, are you happy? <laughs> if yeah. you hesitate, then he'll go through the work. Mm-hmm. If you say yes, he'll ask, where do I sign? And you realize he's going to sign without going through as detail. Then you realize, okay, so when I do this, I must make sure it's done. It's something mm-hmm. ready for him to be able to sign. You jump in a car with him as you're going to the client. He'll actually ask you two questions. The first one is, what are the issues? Mm-hmm. And then you list out the issues that are there. And then he asks, what do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. What help do you need? And when mm-hmm. you tell him, you get into the meeting. He owns it as if he's been on it throughout. And you realize oh, this is where experience comes in. Being mm-hmm. able to speak confidently about something. And him being able to join the threads of the discussion you had for 30 mm. minutes as you drove from the office to the client's place. Mm. He's been quite instrumental as well. In mm-hmm. I would notice how he does the work, how he gets things done efficiently. Mm-hmm. And then you think, okay, there's faster ways to get things done. There's mm-hmm. ways that things can be done well. Mm-hmm. And there's ways that you have to treat your client because in as much as you're in a position of authority, you still need your client because yeah. your client must... Helps put the pay pay your bills, helps mm. you do what you need to do, and they need to feel the value that you bring to the table. Whoa, I love that. You know, and I think you just mentioned, okay, Maunga and I could speak the whole day. But just the last question, <laughs> based on what you just said now, what's your leadership style? And like how do you feel um it's evolved over time? Okay. So like I said. Growing up with brothers and my dad taking us to the field taught us teamwork. Mm-hmm. So my leadership style is to be part of the team, work mm-hmm. with the team, get things done. Mm-hmm. With time, I've realized to let go mm-hmm. and empower my team. Whoever is on my team, I'm not afraid or shy to have people that have better qualifications than me. Mm. I actually encourage most of my team members to better themselves when there are courses and opportunities for them to advance, I'll always make sure that I push them to make sure they are good and strong. There is a selfish intention in that, in that the stronger the team is, the easier it is for me to delegate, mm-hmm. but it's also easier for them to also get better opportunities as well. So mm-hmm. work with me for a year or two. If a better opportunity comes up somewhere else, do take it. Mm-hmm. Let someone else come, let me work with someone else. Mm-hmm. The idea is I'd like to see people be as successful as they can be and be whoever they were meant to be. But the stronger they are, the more it is easier to delegate to them. Mm. So my style is one that's probably inclusive, mm-hmm. but I love to be part of the team. So I'll not okay. stay away and say, you work on this when you're mm-hmm. done, give it to me. Perhaps having worked with bosses and leaders yeah. that were like that, what I always do with whoever I work with is I look out for what are their strengths, mm-hmm. what are their weaknesses, what is it that they do that I should never do. Exactly. And from yeah. there, then I make sure that I try to create an environment where 
it's something that fosters development. Mm. Their personal development happens mm-hmm. and their interests happen. And I would always tell the guys that I'm with that if you need to go somewhere, just tell me you need to go somewhere. If it's mm. a personal matter, do go. Don't lie, don't cheat that you are sick <laughs> because that doesn't okay well. True. If you have a personal thing, just say so. I understand. Yeah. Life happens. There are things you need to sort out. Do go. Mm. I'll even joke and say, if even if it's a job interview at a competitor, come talk to me. I might perhaps help you with one or two things. And it's true. Yeah. I've had people who actually come to me and say, I want to go and try this elsewhere. What do you think? And then I then divorce myself from being their leader or their boss to someone mm. who's, what would I do if I was in this person's shoes? Does this help your long-term career goals? Is mm. this something you really want? Or is there a better opportunity here? Mm-hmm. without necessarily having any grudges or feeling bad about it. Because I also realize I've moved quite a lot from different companies to different companies and mm-hmm. they should also be able to get opportunities as well. Oh, on that note, I'm going to end this episode. I don't want to add or subtract. <laughs> but thank you so much, Mango, for coming through and sharing your wisdom and sharing a part of your life outside insurance with us. Thank you <laughs> for amazing having, having me. You. And uh, yeah. You got me thinking and talking a lot because I was afraid when you opened your laptop <laughs> that you bombard me with all manner of questions. But it's been yeah. a great conversation. Thank you for coming through. It was great having you. Thank you for having had me too. <laughs> and thank you everybody for watching. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, share and comment. And do follow Maunga. I'll put his LinkedIn um, handle in the description box as well. And I'm sure a lot of people now want to be under you since you've um, shown us that you've got a good leadership style. <laughs> but yeah, thanks everybody. Bye. <laughs>